Here it is for you guys. Enjoy, cool. enjoy. Welcome to We The Thunder. It's Shooter. It's Thomas Schooley. We the Thunder is in session. We do have Eric Erlinson jumping on the show in a little bit. We've had four hockey games since the last time we did this podcast. Um, in all kinds of lightning events and happenings. Thomas Schooley, in your words, what is the biggest story of the week for the Tampa Bay Lightning? I was gonna say the two the two road wins, but then they kind of shit the bed at Philly. Jojo, look at Jojo did great the other night. Um, not having played for a while, so. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm I'm sure we're gonna talk about goalies tonight. Before I do that, let me crack open this bad boy. That's a highlight, by the way. This is my favorite highlight. It's the peach white oak. I've talked about it before. It's my favorite highlight. There's different types of highlight, Thomas. I don't know if you knew this, but there's different types. And while we're talking about highlight, let me take a sip. Yeah, you gave me gave me the ones you don't like and you kept the ones you liked. No, I like the mix pack. I like all the ones in the mix pack. The low lie, the high lie, the oak lie, the peach. There's a mango one. That's pretty good. I like the peach oak, though. Um, by the way, if you don't know, we do have one more regular season watch party, which will be on April 13th at Cigar City on Spruce Street. I almost don't even want to talk about it. We probably won't even talk about it that much anymore because we're running out of room at these watch parties. <laughs> so, um, you know, go on Facebook and RSVP for that. More to come on the giveaways and the good times that we'll have uh, playing the Washington Capitals, I think, is, is that game um, at Cigar City. I changed my I changed my view, Serena. Thank you for noticing. I was like, maybe they want to see behind the scenes of We the Thunder. Nobody wants to see behind the scenes. Look at this cool board I have. Look, look what happens when I when I press buttons on this board. I blame our schools. All, all kinds of fun stuff on the board. No, Serena doesn't want to see that. No, you look this big. <laughs> That's okay. I look I look skinny. <laughs> I look good when I'm this far away. <laughs> then how about when Eric comes on, you put us all on that camera angle also. <laughs> Listen, if you guys don't like it, I'll change it back to the other view. But uh, for now... Stephanie said, look at all the pretty colors. Exactly. See, it's cool. And, and I got my like my lightning bolt behind me. Anyway, we're getting she's just back. here. She's just here for that guy waiting in the in the green room there. Exactly. We've got four lightning games to talk about. There's the trade deadlines coming up real soon, uh, in case you didn't know. So the trade let's just happened tonight with Calgary and Dallas. Oh, wait, I don't even know about this. Tanev got traded from Calgary to Dallas. Ooh, he was on the lightning list. The, well, rumor list, one of the guys. So cross that one off the list. But let's bring him on. He's the insider. We're the outsiders. So I figure, you know, we have to get this guy on the show as much as possible to get the inside edition of what's going on with the lightning. Eric Erlinson, back on We the Thunder. Look, we give you, here's what we do now. This is how good this show has gotten from season to season. You get the bigger spot over there, and I just keep getting smaller, actually. <laughs> I'm not sure which is worse for the show. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you got the spoon collection behind you because that always becomes a big topic yes. um, on this show. But we're going to try to lean into lightning hockey for the most part uh, for this next uh, couple minutes here, or at least, you know, several minutes, I guess I should say. So we just had, uh, since since our last show, which is basically how we benchmark everything in the season, we've had four games. We lost at home to the Washington Capitals to cap off a three-game home losing streak. We went on the road and played back-to-back games in um, both the, the island, New York Islanders, and the New Jersey Devils, and we somehow won those games pretty convincingly. And then we go to Philly – and lights out almost like it is here. And uh, somehow the lightning, instead of having a, a bad second period, which has kind of been our thing this season, we save it for the third period of that game after we know all the lights are back on. <laughs> so that couldn't have been affecting anything. But the last week of, of lightning hockey, do you think that's kind of becoming the story of the season is just the inconsistencies of what we see from the team? It's it's really what it's been, other than the stretch where they won eight out of nine and uh, what uh, ten out of thirteen. They've been up and down. That's just who they have been. And um, you know we're we're late enough into the season now. You can't say it's because of the new players. Uh, actually, when they were playing well, is when they had the rookies coming up and making an impact on the team and uh, kind of gave some new life to the locker room a little bit. But um, look, it's it's probably going to be this way the rest of the uh, the regular season. We're down to what twenty nineteen games left. Uh, whatever we have uh, coming down the stretch here. It, it's going to kind of be that way. It's going to be nip and tuck. You have to hope because this stretch coming up is a weird stretch. It's a five-game homestand spread out over two weeks. So they only play two games between now and the 17th uh, that starts tomorrow. Uh, and then they start a five-game road trip. So it, it's this is where all these teams that have games in hand on them are going to start to make them up, and we're going to get a better idea of where they actually stand in the playoff race. It looks comfortable now, but uh, they have to find a way again to avoid three-game losing streaks and just string some points together. Yeah, I agree. They're at that point where every one of these games they've got to end up getting points from. And that was the shame about last night is, you know, it looked pretty promising going to the last 20 minutes and things fell apart pretty quickly in that third period. Um, so what's what what do you think has kind of been the the most the biggest surprise this season? For the bolts, there's there's probably a couple that I'll just throw out there for you. This the softball is Nikita Kucherov just completely dominating, but you've also got Brandon Hagel who's on this you know 14 game scoring streak. You've got a guy like Paul who um, is getting some of his career best numbers. What do you think's been the biggest surprise on this team so far? Or let me add one just there, Lilleberg, uh, Tyler Mott, you could say. Mont Lilleberg being called up and really I don't think they expected him to play more than one or two games here. And now he seems to be kind of solidifying his spot there in that lineup. I, I think my thought is kind of goes along with what you're saying there, Thomas is the rookies in general, right? Mm-hmm. Like all we've heard about is how depleted the prospect pool is. And, and it is look, there's no 
blue chip prospects. Isaac Howard is the only blue chip type of prospect that you have. Everybody else is second, third, fifth round picks uh, that you're hoping develop. You know, they hope you can get another Braden Point, another Anthony Sorelli out of it. Uh, but, you know, watching Declan Carlisle come up, watching Mitchell Chafee kind of find a spot here in the lineup. And, you know, I know he had a couple of games with Minnesota, but this is his first real kick at the can at the NHL. Lilleberg, uh, certainly, I don't think anybody expected him to have sort of a regular role on the left-hand side. And Serkachev's injury certainly impacts uh, his playing time and his ability to, to find some minutes. Um, you know, Jack Thompson came up, Valtteri Merola when he's been up. I mean, these are players that we didn't think could have much of an impact on the NHL team. And they've come up and they fit very seamlessly. I think it's answered some questions about how good the prospects are. Again, no A-chip uh, type prospects, no A-plus prospects, but they think they have more maybe B and B-plus prospects than they thought they had. Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't know if we were expecting to see so many of them this season, but we've seen a ton of rookies start to get time up here. And for the most part, they've they've held their own up here, and a lot of them are starting to kind of earn jobs um, with the big club. Are now, you surprised – sorry, Shooter. Are you surprised they haven't – called up one of those veterans like Dumont, who's the captain of Syracuse um, up here. I mean, they've used him at other times. We saw ABB just got sent down. I think maybe that that kind of relationship's almost done and over with. He did get um, a goal and assist tonight for the Crunch game, his first game back for the Crunch, um, which is really, I think, where he belongs. He he seems like he's going to be an AHL-type player, kind of like a Condrug. Conacher or something like that. Um, but someone like Dumont, is he an AHL player or do you think maybe they look at him coming up? Well, Serena actually nailed it there in the comments. Uh, he's not on an NHL contract. He's on an AHL contract. So he, he would actually have to be signed uh, to a uh, NHL deal for Dumont. Um, I mean, the other the guys that I look for, you know, where's where's Lucas Edmonds? I mean, we talked a lot about him going into the season last year. Where's his game up? How come we haven't seen him here uh, yet? Um, Gonsalves, I mean, Gonsalves was really good when he was up here. Is he going to get another chance at some point this season? Injuries will play play into that. Um, but I, like, I don't think where the Lightning are at. They don't have a lot of those other than, you know, Dumont. They don't have a lot of those type of guys in their minor league system. They have a bunch of, you know, 21 to 24-year-old players. So, you know, they're trying to use Syracuse as much of a develop, developmental uh, type program as it is. Of course they want to win in Syracuse, and they have a great relationship with Howard Dolgan and, and the entire organization there. But they're, they're using it as much as a – uh, development program than anything else because they haven't done like some other teams and brought in a bunch of AHL veterans to help them win. True. Now I, I'm trying to get you to talk about Brandon Hagel. <laughs> 14 games There's tied for here, second longest in, in franchise history for scoring uh, consecutively. Tied with Stamkos. Stamkos is what? Stamkos is 17 games or is it 18? 18. 18. 18 games. So four games away from tying Stamkos, which is not going to be an easy thing to do. But what I want you to answer is, is Brandon Hagel a star player on the Tampa Bay Lightning now? He is a overshadowed star player. Right. And look, he plays on a line primarily with Braden Point, a 50-goal scorer, and Nikita Kucherov, the best offensive player in this league this year. So, yeah, you're going to get overshadowed for sure. Um, what I love about Brandon Hagel, like he just doesn't give up. And, and we've seen that part of his game come back 
on a more consistent basis. It's the big reason why he has a 14-point streak going on, 14-game point streak going on, is because the determination level of his game has ramped up. It was it was kind of up and down, like the team was in the early part of the season, uh, but he's kind of found his game back here, and I think that's why his, his game has kind of taken off. And, you know, I, I think – he's a core player now, right? The contract that he signed, he's a core player on this team. And I think it took a little bit for him to sort of understand that a little bit. Uh, And I think he's finding that part of his game as well, because he can be a leader type of person. He's, you know, look, he's overshadowed by Hedman and Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and Sorelli and guys that have been here and won cups with them. Um, But he's, he has that part of his game. And I think he's trying to go out and do it by example. Hey, Eric, you know, you have tons of followers. You, you're tweeting nonstop. Uh, I can't wake up without seeing a text uh, some kind of tweet from you. And you're in some of the groups. Shitter, you're in the groups. Of course, I have Thunderbolts. So you see anytime there's a slump, the fans <laughs> tend to attack one player. Yeah. And, or, or an assistant coach. Right. <laughs> Fire Blashaw. Hashtag. Um, so – at the beginning of the season, you saw that a lot with Hagel. You know, this was a horrible deal. It was a bad contract. You saw it with Sergachev this year. You're seeing it um, now. With we saw it with Sorelli, um, but it, it's in these waves because I remember when Sergachev. Then it was oh, Sergachev was doing real good, and then he got injured, and it was like oh no, Hagel. It was his can his contract sucked. He's overrated. And then here he is now, one of the best players on the team. Um, By the way, you can't can't buy his his new jersey, the, no. the black jersey. You can't buy it because it's sold out. They can't keep it on the shelves. And and then you know now now you're seeing this uh, this they're doing the blame game on Bassey. Um, it's been a history that we see every single year. Anytime there's a slump, um, but it to you is that funny seeing at the beginning of the season and you're defending because I, I see your tweets. Um, I see people posting. You're defending the player like you haven't get on time. This is this is who they played with last year. You know, he, he was with Kane and Taze before he came here. So, you know, he's used to being on the shadow of those superstars on his line, which he is again here. But I think he's actually showing up more up than he did here in, in Chicago. So um, is it funny when you see them placing the blame on these certain people and then all of a sudden they forget about it when we start winning or the player starts doing good? Yeah, Stephanie, I do love the mute button. Um, (laughs) I mean, look, it's there's a avenue now for fans to get their feelings out there. Social media has allowed that. So yeah, there's, to me, there's emotional reactions and, and stuff like that. They're going to happen in a bad game. Somebody has to pay for it. There has to be blame. And, and I get it. I mean, fans are, are, are passionate about their team. And certainly I see that, you know, over the past number of years with this franchise. Um, but you, like, you can't, you can't base your uh, reaction on two or three games. It's an 82 game season. You have to give a player, there are ebbs and flows for every player in a season. And you know, let's let's go ahead and, and and just bring it up there with Vasilevsky. He's going through a slump right now, and I don't know if the break affected him. I don't know if watching Mikhail Sergachev suffer that broken leg and you know one of his best friends on the team. I don't know if that's affected him. He's not playing at the level he was pre-break. There's no doubt about it. Um, but you can't you can't sit here and say, as I see some people, hey, let's trade Vasilevsky. He's trash. He's no longer elite. You're right. He's not playing at a level that we're used to seeing him play but we've seen what he can do. He's only 29 years old. 
it's not a time to uh, pass the buck on Andre Vasilevsky. Who's going to play goal? Who do you think can be better in goal? Look, I understand he's down right now. The numbers that he has, we are not used to seeing a sub 900 save percentage from him. We're not used to seeing a um, goals against average way north of three like it has been. Those are not what we're used to seeing it with Andre Vasilevsky. He's going through a slump, but you have to believe, and this is where John Cooper has a strength in my mind. He doesn't, he allows players to work through situations. He doesn't want to throw players under the bus. And I use this example all the time in, in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Islanders in 2020. Blake Coleman made a mistake. He tried to blow the zone early. It led to a goal. Those kind of mistakes can be costly. He didn't park him on the bench. He threw him and Gordon Goodrow right back out there. And Blake Coleman scored 20 seconds later. Yeah. It's those type of things that John Cooper allows players to do. So I, I get that we want to have – a, a summary after every game. Well, this person sucked. Well, he's in a slump. I get it. I understand it. I don't view things that way. I like to let things play out a little bit longer. Okay, if this is still going on in a week, maybe then we have a problem. Don't jump to conclusions after three or four games or you know a week and a half. Let a player who we, who we know has a good track record, and Brandon Hagel proved that last year with the 30-goal season he had. We certainly know what Andre Vasilevsky is capable of doing. Let the players who we know have it in them to work through it. Yeah. And and Thomas, you're right. He's he's become the, the target over the last couple games. And rightfully so. So his numbers are down, but it's only been really since they took that break because he was on fire before that. Yeah. And then it just hasn't been good since that. And, you know, whatever it is, I totally expect that. Although I got to say, okay. how long has it been since we've seen a fire coop message? <laughs> we haven't seen that. And in a couple seasons. So, I mean, it, it's been a good four years since we've seen a, a fire coup. So, yeah, we're, we're due for those again. Yeah. And I will say this about Vasilevsky. He was not very good last night against Philadelphia. That, that, third, that second goal, the go-ahead goal, that's a deflating goal. That is a bad goal for any goaltender to give up, let alone a guy who has the resume and track record that Andre Vasilevsky does. As soon as Forster pulled the puck to his backhand, there's only one area he can beat you, and, and he didn't get there. He didn't seal up that spot, and that tells you he's off his game, and the team sagged after that because they're not used to watching their goaltender give up that type of goal, and they couldn't recover from it. So last night was not a very good performance for Vasilevsky at all. No, that was definitely one of his rougher games last night, but – we do seem to give up uh, a lot of goals to redirects and deflections. I feel like it's more than other teams give up, maybe because we don't get too many of those goals, but we just give them up so much. Is there a way for this team to even address defending that, or is that just a lot of luck and skill combined together with, like it seems like every game there's at least one redeflect or uh, redirect or deflection that goes past Vassy. It's like controlled chaos in, in some ways, right? Teams practice hip tips. They practice, but it, you know, it's like throwing a puck in the corner. You throw it in there a hundred times. It's going to come out a hundred different ways. You put a puck on net and it gets deflected 99 times. It might go in a different direction. And that time it has to be, and there's a skill to it. I mean, look, certain guys have skills to be able to tip box. Dave Anderchuk was a master of it. Um, but with, with a goalie like Vazzy in his career, he's so hard to beat down low that there's really only two ways to beat him shoot up high. And certainly everybody talks about his blocker side. And last year in the playoffs or two years ago, it was his glove side and everything like that. I mean, every goalie has sometimes difficulties on those top corners if players can hit it. 
But the other way to do it is to get traffic in front of them and create chaos. Guy Boucher used to use that term all the time, get to the net and create chaos, but it's controlled chaos. And so the deflections, I think the only way that you can really prevent those is to get in front of the shot. And uh, we've certainly seen the Lightning have their fair shot attempts blocked over the past little while. Uh, the Lightning probably need to do a little bit better of making sure those lanes are not there to allow that puck to get there for a redirection. Yeah, I was listening to the chief on last call last night, and he was talking about this doesn't just fall on the defense. Those forwards need to get back there Absolutely. and start playing defense. Um, and so – you know, you a lot of people are down on our decor, but if you look at a lot of it, is not necessarily theirs. It's also those forwards not doing the back check in and not getting there in those lanes. Um, but someone who is real good at we've lost, you know, our two good redirect people, which was Yanni Gord and I think Kalorn used to do those pretty good. Yanni mm-hmm. Gord used to train and train and train nothing but those deflections. Even during warmups, he would stay out there after the rest of the team with one other person and they would shoot it at him and he would just redirect, redirect, redirect right into the net. And that was what they're and I, I don't think they have too many of that on this team now. Perry was a big one too. He he was very good at that. Yeah, he's um look, it is a skill. There's no doubt. And some guys I said are better than others at it, but you can teach it. You can, you know, you're if you have any sense of hand eye coordination, you can do it, which sometimes amazes me. Sometimes a puck is coming 80 miles an hour. How do you know where to put your blade at the right time to get the right direction? That's why I say you can send a hundred shots at net and a guy that can try and deflect it the same exact way, it's probably gonna go in ninety-seven different directions uh with the way they deflect it. But um yeah, you have to get in front of those, you have to take away the lane. Uh, and that's not just on the defense. So we look, you see with this defensive core, they like to front the net front, like right? they try and take away that pass. So teams have adjusted and they just put their, you know, their net front guy in front and try and get that middle slot tip. Yeah. And I think the lightning have been victim, especially in that capitals game last week of just bad luck, whether it was puck luck, there was a couple goals in, in that game for the caps that, you know, it looked like they could have made a call with a lightning player down on the ice when, um, you know, whether it's Hagel looking like maybe he got tripped. Who knows if he did, but he's down on the ice, causes a two-on-one, and then Flurry got hit, got injured on that play. He's down on the ice, the cap score. And even in that last goal where Sandine scored with less than, you know, about five minutes left in the game, that sealed it for the caps. Really, you had two bolts that, you know, we're taken down on the side of the, the net. So I think it's been a combination. It seems like the the puck luck just has not been there and just the luck in general for the Lightning has not been there for some of the games that they've been losing because in, in several of these, they looked like the better team. And I don't know if I can say that about last night's game, though, but the one thing about last night's game, ha- have you ever seen this before? I know we've seen, like, power outages happen, but... It was so strange last night watching the game because in the first couple of minutes, the power goes out in, in a section of uh, in Philadelphia in their arena, and I get access to both feeds. So I see, hey, Philly's feed's still up. They're telling us what's going on. They're they're you know watching the benches and you know broadcasting, and Bally's is just 
out. And by the way, I know a ton of people are complaining about this on online, whether it was Thunderbolts or everywhere, but it wasn't Bally's fault <laughs> to that not last night. Last no. night. Because it knocked yeah. out the radio feed too. Yeah, the radio feed was out. It was Michigan calling in, and then it From was on TV yeah. because you had Paul Kennedy and you had Dave <laughs> Anderchuk doing their fireside chat. Because <laughs> yeah. well, they picked up the NBC Philly feed. They picked up with the Flyers the feed, feed yeah. but with no no game sound. So it's just them yeah. kind of whispering to each other. And some people loved it. Some people hated it. I was like, I'm just glad we've got our own feed still. Have you ever seen anything like that? In January of 2010, Prudential Center, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, so this was the end of the Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett's last season as head coach. Uh, we're in the middle of the second period of a game in New Jersey. And all of a sudden, all the lights in one end of the ice just went out. They just went out. They, so only half the building was lit up. And after about 20 minutes, they sent the teams back to the locker room as they tried to fix the issue. They finally waited almost two hours before they had to suspend the game. And it was a very odd situation because this was a Friday night. The Devils were scheduled to be in Montreal on Saturday, and the Lightning had to play Philadelphia on Saturday. So they couldn't re, uh, you know, resume the game Saturday because both teams had to be somewhere else. So the Lightning and Fly or Devils both had to come back on Sunday, resume the game from where it was about nine minutes left in the second period, and finish the game. So it wasn't quite a complete power outage like it was last night because it knocked out the scoreboard, the PA, uh, replays. It, it, like we said, it knocked out the, the Lightning TV feed and knocked out the radio feed. In Jersey that night, it was just those bank of lights, and it was an unsafe situation. What I found interesting about last night, when they resumed play, they asked – first they asked the coaches if they wanted to resume play, and they said, go ask the goalies because the goalies are the ones that would be affected by it the most if there's an uh, absence of light uh, anywhere on the ice because they would have a harder time picking up. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was bizarre. You don't see that very often at all. Yeah, just very strange. D be honest, though. Did you look that up, or did you actually remember that in I remember it. <laughs> I, I had to refresh some of the old memory. It's uh, it's been a while, but uh, no, I remember I remember that night very well because uh, um, I didn't I didn't go back for the conclusion of the game. I covered the game against Jersey. I covered the game against Philly and came home. So that's why I remember it so well. Yeah, and I like the comment here, Stephanie. There was a pregame tweet <laughs> from Philly saying, "Can't make it up." And, and they you can't make that stuff up. They did not bring the electricity. <laughs> so <laughs> the beginning of the game. The big uh, question, they did at the end of the game, though. The big question why we really wanted you on. Everybody wants to know trade situation. Noah uh, Hannafin, how long until I order his jersey, Eric? <laughs> I, I, I said I said there's already that trade with Tanev already happened tonight. We're getting a flame. Uh, we're getting a damn flame, okay? <laughs> I see Mike already mentioned Yanni's available, but it looks like Rangers could be a possibility for him. He's not coming here. He's $5.4 million. So everybody stop with the Yanni stuff. He will not be back here. It looks like Rangers are possibly a go-to for Yanni. But, yes, we see all these other rumors of potentials for, for the Lightning. What, what say you? Well, Noah Hannafin would be nice, but there's two things going against the lighting for Noah Hannafin. Sorry to kill your Jersey dream shooter. Um, a, he's going to cost a lot in assets. I don't know if the lighting have the assets 
to bring him in. They don't have a first or a second in this year's draft. They don't have a first next year. So they don't have the draft capital to be able to pull off a deal. They don't have the type of prospects that would land a player that's going to be sought after. It's going to be a little bit of a bidding war for Noah Hannafin. So, um, and the other part of it is too, is for the most part, when Julian makes deals at the deadline, it's not rental situations. The only one was David Savard, right? Because they so badly needed a right-handed shot. It's available again. Yeah. Kind of cheap. But it's, that's why I, I don't know if the lighting can go big game hunting. And again, giving Julian's track record, who heard about Nick Paul coming to Tampa Bay? Yeah. Who heard about Brandon Hagel coming to Tampa Bay? Like he kind of goes off the the expected path that a lot of people like to talk about and find players that he can bring in, not just for a year, at least a couple years, right? It was the same thing with Coleman and Goodrow. He, he brought both those guys in when they had one year left on their deal. He knew he probably wasn't going to be able to keep them beyond that, especially after the success that they had here. Uh, but just given his track record, Julian does not usually like to go after um, rental players. Uh, the interesting thing for me is they have the cap space this year, obviously because of the Sergachev injury, they can you know pull from the LTI. Raw Charge brought this up today. What if they were using that capital to bring in and, and take on like 50% or 25% of a contract and bring in some draft picks? And then you can use those draft picks to trade for something else. That's a very interesting concept that I hadn't thought about. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty interesting idea. Uh, do you think that the target is 100% going well, well I guess I should should ask first of all what what, what you're saying is that the Lightning are probably going to make a move and it will be a defender with terms so he's going to be here a couple more years no matter what and we We'll never have heard of him before that. <laughs> <trade> <laughs> there's a there's a good chance of that. You're gonna have to go pull out a hockey reference or something to figure out uh, who the type of player that they bring is. Look, and, as as long as they stay, look, we're what nine days away from the trade deadline at this point. Um, I think that they're gonna make a move. They I think they need help on defense. I, I think with the Sergeyev injury, I think they need help on the left side. I wouldn't have said that halfway through the year. I would have thought maybe the right side. Um, but they look a little bit better with, especially with Max Crozier and the way he's played on the right side and when he's been in the lineup. So uh, I think that if you're going to prioritize it, I think a left-hand shot defense is probably at the top of the list, but everybody's looking for defense at this time of the year and maybe a depth forward. I was going to say, what about bottom six forward? And I know like Tarasenko has been linked to the Lightning. I don't know where that comes from. But I feel like it's more of a bottom six forward to sure up that that bottom six, that third line and or fourth line. Yeah, as as much of a of a dream as it could be to bring in a player like Vladimir Tarasenko, and especially with Kucherov, um, it didn't work last year when they when the Rangers brought in him and Patrick Kane, right? As Brian Engblom used the term used the term a lot, they brought in two alpha dogs. How many alpha dogs can you have on one team? And um, so I don't know if Tarasenko comes here. I don't know if he's a bottom six guy. He has to be a top six guy because he's still productive. He's not the forty goal scorer that he used to be, but he's still a productive player. And any you know in uh, some of his playoff runs, especially with St. Louis that year, he's pretty pretty productive in the postseason too. Oh, you know we've been rolling out. What, what, our second line lately has been Paul Stamkos and and a guy named Shiri, who, when Vasilevsky's making saves, is in the the number one target for Lightning fans. So he could make himself into the top six uh, guy real quick. Uh, but but yeah, I think it's a little bit of a pipe dream for Bolts fans. 
Yeah, like I said, it, whatever is being talked about with this team, it's probably only about a 15% chance that that's actually the case. And look, it's the one thing about the trade deadline. GMs talk to each other a lot. So they somebody might pick up on something. Okay, yeah, they had a conversation about it, but really how far does it go? That's the answer that nobody really has when some of these rumors start to pop up. Um, so I, I would think, though, that uh, with how secretive and, and how – how good this team is at keeping information out from guys like me. Uh, it's probably whatever they're going to do is probably not going to get out much before it happens. So Sean Walker to the lightning. He's a right-hand shot defenseman. Certainly uh, he played well last night. Maybe he was showcasing. Look, uh, uh, Steve Eiserman once brought in Dwayne Rollison about two weeks after he beat the lightning in Long Island. So it's possible. Yeah. And let's remind people, how old was Dwayne Rollison in 2011 when we made the Eastern Conference finals in almost Stanley Cup finals? 38, 37. He was in his upper 30s. I thought he was, he was older than 40. that. I he thought he was close 40s. to 40. He might have been close to 40, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Mike, how Mike old, and, and let's remind people, how old is Vassy? 29. Let's calm 29. down, everyone. <laughs> let's calm down yeah. on the Vassy talk. And let's we especially calm down the talk of trading Andre Vasilevsky. Oh, that's, that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. He is a generational goaltender. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, not, not there are not many goaltenders in this league, even with a lot of success that they've had, uh, don't go through through periods of time and, and slumps. And you know, Vasilevsky's just going through that right now. Here's a good question. How did Freed, uh, Elliot Freeman, there's a few, you know, um, you saw what the, well, you you were had a busy night tonight, so the, the Tanev trade might have been a little late for you. But I can I see, see I saw different people hurry up and trying to report it. You know, someone like Kevin Weeks. Um, these people get the inside scoop. Um, is that just from them talking to GMs, players? They have connections in the front office. Are you getting a text from the lightning right now? Hey, <laughs> no, there's a train right. going down. Well, so, somebody's trying to sign an Amazon. So um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a little bit of all of that, but I don't think it's a coincidence either that uh, obviously Elliot works for Sportsnet and he's very tied in. Uh, they're they're a um, uh, a rights holder, and sometimes the rights holders will get some information just through contacts that they have. Uh, a lot of times, too, it might come from, uh, especially when when a trade, when somebody knows a trade is about to happen and you start to get that, oh, it's, it's on a trade call right now. It's usually because somebody from Central Registry is letting somebody uh, know about it uh, to kind of get the word out. So um, I think, I mean, look, I love Kevin Winks. I loved him when he played here. Is it a coincidence that as soon as ESPN picked the contract, now all of a sudden he's a trade breaker? I, I, I Look, I love Kevin. I think he does a fantastic job uh, in what he does. But, uh, you know, again, ESPN's a rights holder. So that, that's Cat how friendly. I view it. Cat Friendly usually has it before anybody else. Yeah, else. because I don't know what they're tied into, but they have something tied into a database somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's like as soon as something goes into their computer, it spits out on Cat Friendly. And I'm like, oh, well, this is – it reminds me of um, back when I – one of the first couple of years when I started Thunderbolts um, was Kucherov's re-signing year. And, you know, he had went back to Russia and everything. And I was working for, oddly enough, Little Caesars back then, which I just made the jump back to. And um, we were at the arena. We had Little Caesars at the arena. And we were doing something that morning to start getting ready to sell pizzas. And I get there and I see Kucherov in the hallway. So I post Kucherov's here to sign his deal. 
then I'd say like 45 minutes later, the person who you like to refer to as he who shall not be named. Thank you for not naming him. <laughs> put, put on that Kucherov is currently on an airplane flying home, believed to be. And then everybody's saying, Thomas said he's at the arena. Thomas said he's at the arena. And then they're like, how do you know the source? I'm like, I'm sitting here six feet from him. Like, I know he's here. And then JBB, or no, is Eisenman. Eisenman. It was, it was Eisenman called a news conference within that hour, which he wouldn't even had time to still be flying in from Russia to announce it with him there. And so everybody was like, oh, and I think sometimes it is just that luck of you're there, somebody seeing it, someone messages you about it. Because I've had sometimes some employees who will message me and be like, hey, this player's here at the arena. This is this. This is going on here. Um <laughs> Or this is an email we got about taking away the STM discount. Um, like it also <laughs> seems to throw a lot of shit at the wall, too. Like yeah. it's, it's not necessarily happening because he said it's a rumor, right? Hey, I, I will I will tell you a story, and this didn't involve me. I won't even tell you who who because this was a third party sort of story that came to me uh, one time. Um, who whoever it was you know, he would put out these type of things. And this was, this was years ago. This was even before I was on the beat full time. Um, he called the, the beat writer, Roy Cummings at the time and said, Hey, do you know anything about Marty St. Louis going to St. Louis? Well, that's, that's kind of weird. Let me check. So Roy checks with the sources, calls him back. No, there's nothing to that. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Ah, it's too good. St. Louis to St. Louis. I'm going to do it. And he wrote it anyway. So some of that stuff does happen for sure. Um, you know, especially nowadays with everything basically online, there's just so much clickbait um, and, and stuff like that that gets out there that it's just easy to throw something up against the wall with there's no accountability for it, right? I like to think in my position that if I screw something up, I'm accountable for it. I have to be held accountable for it. That's why if you see something from me, more than likely, it's it's solid information just because I'm going through the journalistic steps to make sure it's, it's verified. Yeah, I like that. You don't always try to be the first. You just try to be the most accurate. Hey, it's it's uh, journalism one-on-one. You make sure you're accurate. You don't have to be first, but you better make sure you're right. Because there's sometimes I'll see something. He freezes I'll go look through speech. your tweets to see, has Eric posted it yet? <laughs> What'd you say, Shooter? <laughs> you froze, froze up on us. <laughs> oh. you, you were frozen like this. <laughs> it's a once wow. a show, once a show type of thing for him. <laughs> there he goes again. There he goes again. I'm right on cue. <laughs> All right. So knowing that, you know, you are the most um, you know, trustworthy uh, lightning reporter around, lightning insider, obviously. Who's it going to be, Walker, Matt Dumba, or even Provorov? <laughs> uh, boy, I, I, Provorov wouldn't surprise me. He was a really uh, uh, highly thought-after player when he was in Philly. Sometimes things just happen to players in Columbus, and there's some baggage there, right? There's some baggage with, with the whole pride thing uh, last year with the Flyers, and that was part of the reason probably why he yeah. was traded. So there is some baggage there. I don't know if the team wants to bring that on, but again, you can't underscore sometimes too – the, the nationality, right? Because the, the, the three Russian players on this team, Kucherov, uh, Vasilevsky, and Sergeyev are very close. Obviously, everybody sees the Instagram posts and everything else that are out there. You know how close they are. Look, it, it can't be discounted that maybe that would be something, you know, to kind of kind of solidify the room a little bit as well to, to bring a player like that. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but he is an intriguing player. 
Hasn't this team been hot on Matt Dumba for like years though? Yeah, but he's always been expensive. He's always been an expensive. So, player. all right. So that brings up a good point. How much, give or take, I'm not expecting you to get it down to, you know, the dollar, but at least within $50. <laughs> how, how much room do Lightning actually have right now to, to asking, make a move? Are you asking me to do math? Because math is not my thing. That's why I went into <laughs> writing and communications. Um, it's, it's kind of a complex situation, and it depends on what day they make a deal because you can accumulate cap space throughout the year. Right. And, and, and they did that early year when Vazzy was on long-term IR, they put um, flurry on the long-term IR for a short period of time. So you open up some cap space and then with Sergachev, it's not necessarily the full 8.5 million you get because he got injured in January. So there was a prorated, I don't want to give a specific number, but it's enough for them to make a deal. And it's certainly more cap space than they've had to deal with in the last number of years, because remember that Savard deal had to go through, I think it went through Detroit. Right. I went from uh, Columbus to Detroit to Tampa Bay because Detroit retained 25 percent of the contract. But the problem is the assets that we're sending away, we just don't have to give away. You, it's it's they don't have the type of assets that other teams can offer. Right. Because let's say, OK, Noah Hannafin, let's say the reports are true. He wants to come to Tampa Bay. Well, the GM has to protect his team. He can't say, well, I'm just going to give you, you know, Noah Hannafin. If, if you're going to give me A, B, and C, well, this team over here is giving me A, A, and B. Like, what's better for the franchise? So there's a lot of that stuff that goes on, and, and it's just difficult for what the Lightning have in their asset situation, their prospect pool, all that stuff. They just don't have the type of a collateral that they had before to be able to make some of those deals. My, my thought was that they're going to have to do a three-team deal somehow. Um, and get someone to play with them. Now, that was before Sergeyev got hot, hurt. So yep. now you get a little bit more, uh, I would say, balls in your court kind of thing. I Back before he got hurt, they would definitely need a third party to play there. Um, but now I think they have a little extra. It, is Chernak sick? I've seen the rumors. Oh, they're holding him out because they're planning on trading him. I don't think anybody would take Chernak with his head injuries and it, 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 he's the boy in the plastic bubble right now. They can't, um, they can't train him. No. Yeah. I mean, they need him to play bag of pucks. Um, so is he sick? Are they holding him out? Have you heard anything? Well, he missed a game last two. week because he was sick, right? Well, two one be, was, I, yeah. So he did, he did miss the two games. Um, Look, I, I take the team at their face value. They're not going to hold a player because especially in the situation that they're in, they need points. And mm -hmm. if you're holding Eric Chernak out, you're hurting your team. So I, I don't think – if he's sick, he's legitimately sick. Uh, I have no reason to, to doubt what they're saying uh, when it comes to that because he's an important player on the team. He eats a lot of minutes. He plays an important role. He kills penalties. He's a big body in front. I know we'd like to see him use that body a little bit more uh, on a physical side, but he takes up a lot of space and he can clear guys out in the front of the net. So uh, he's an important player for the team. So I don't think they're holding him out for trade uh, protection. Well, let's, let's settle it once and for all, because there's, you know, probably a couple of handfuls of fans that are totally going to disagree with probably what you're going to respond here, but it's February 28th right now. The trade deadline is Friday, March 8th, so a little over a week away. 
there's zero chance the Lightning are sellers right now, right? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think they're sellers. No. Um, no. Look, points-wise, they're in a comfortable spot. Um, obviously, Pittsburgh, I think, has four or five games in hand. Washington still has a couple. I mean, everybody behind them has games in hand. So that could make the situation a little bit tighter uh, once those games start to get made up. Uh, but no, I, there's no way they're a seller. There's Julian has said it. He owes it to the core of this team, the Hedmans, the Kucherovs, the Stamkos, the Points, the Vasilevskis, those guys, to do everything in his power to help them win more cups. Because I'm telling you right now, we are not going to see the type of generational talent on the same team that this team has been able to put together in a very long time, if ever. It's very hard to do. All the stars have to align, right? Obviously, Stamkos was the number one overall pick. Hedman was a number two overall pick. Vasilevsky was a first-round pick. So you have the pedigree. But Kucherov was a second-round pick. Point was a third-round pick. Sorelli was a third-round pick. Eric Chernak was a second-round pick of the Kings that they brought into the organization in the Ben Bishop trade. It's, I mean, you probably have at least four Hall of Famers on this team right now, if not five, if you want to throw a point in that conversation. Um, they're just... It's just hard to do. So I, Julian is not going to be a seller. He is not going to sell off unless they they lose the next three games. Maybe that changes the situation. Um, but I, there's I don't see any scenario that they're going to be sellers come next week. Yeah, and they're not going to lose the next three games. So they better not. <laughs> yeah. Well. So just change things. Just real quick quickly. on that Tanev trade, he was actually traded to the Devils, and then the Devils traded him to Dallas. Um, Devils retaining 50% of his salary. Um, What'd they get out of it? They, it says uh, Devils trade unassigned draft choice goaltender Cole Brady to the Flames in exchange for Chris Tanev. Calgary Flames have agreed to retain 50%. New Jersey Devils trade Chris Tanev to the Dallas Stars in exchange for Dallas's fourth round selection in 2026. The New Jersey Devils have agreed to retain 50% of all future obligation to TNF's contract for the 23-24. Calgary Flames trade unassigned draft choice Cole Brady to Dallas in exchange for defenseman Artem Greshnikov, Dallas's own second-round selection in 2024 and a conditional third-round selection in 2026. So no first-round draft pick moved. Interesting. No, just a second. We, we usually wait for these point. first deals. Yeah, we usually wait for these first deals to kind of see what the bar is going to be. Uh, and, and look, you have this now because of the salary cap system. There's so many teams that are up against the ceiling. There's so many teams. And the ones that are against the ceiling are the contenders, right? So the ones who have cap space aren't contending. So they're selling off. And maybe they use uh, – interesting that Jersey is, is, uh, was the team that kind of – I thought that they were kind of up there against cap space too. Of course, they will be once Jack Hughes has to sign his new contract. But – um, yeah, you're going to see more moves like this. Um, but if look, if that's the going right for uh, for Chris Tanev, maybe that's good news for Tampa Bay. So, what are the chances that the Lightning do make a move here at the at the deadline? Is it fifty fifty? I think it's higher than fifty fifty. I'd say it's, it's got to be higher. 70, than Seventy-five to eighty. I'd be surprised if he makes no move at all. Uh, only because the one year that they didn't make a move was in 2019, ironically enough. Uh, so I think if he finds something that he thinks can help make this team better uh, and, and fill some holes, he's going to absolutely do it. So I, I think it's a high percentage. By the way, so what, what's your thought on the, the fans out there that say like, hey, the, the cup winning teams, those, those are 
Geiserman's teams. Like, what's your thought about that kind of Geiserman versus JBB debate? Because some people really don't like JBB and kind of w- think that he's handcuffed the organization and give Geiserman all the credit for building up this team, which, you know, he really did in the last 10 years. But I always felt like JBB was the one that actually kind of made the moves that would allow them to get over the hump and, and, you know, get past the Eastern conference. Yeah. I felt it was just like the Dungy Gruden thing, you know, Dungy was building the team, couldn't get them over the hill. And then Gruden got the Super Bowl. Well, I, I remember the introductory uh, press conference when Eiserman stepped aside for that year and, and Breezebois took over. He knew he was, he was inheriting cap issues. He knew he was. So, and look, he's part of that. He was their capologist. He was the guy. So he is part of that. Um, and, and, you know, Steve Eiserman here set the groundwork for everything, right? He established, he brought in Al Murray, who was a fantastic hire and, you know, brought in the Andre Palats as a seventh round draft pick. I mean, I remember having that conversation with, with uh, Al on the draft floor the day they drafted. And they're like, ah, we were thought about maybe just bringing him in as an undrafted free agent, but we thought let's just bring him in and make him a part of the organization. So he doesn't have a choice. He comes here. Obviously that turned out pretty well. Uh, for them. And, and look, Al Murray was a reason Tyler Johnson signed with this organization because Al was, uh, you know, part of team Canada and he saw what, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson did with team USA the year that they won gold. Um, so yes, Steve laid the groundwork. He set the tone for the organization, especially when it came to drafting, find me players that have high compete level that have high hockey IQ and can think the game. That was the model that they set. And Julian has carried that on what Julian has done. And he learned this after not making a deal at the 19 deadline. And then the team got swept by Columbus. Sorry to bring up that scar. Uh, He did not make that mistake in 2020. He was bold. I mean, how many of us sat here and thought he gave up a first round draft pick for Barclay Goodrow. Are you kidding me? He's a fourth line guy in San Jose. It turned out pretty well. So he's not afraid to make bold moves. Uh, So I think yeah, a lot of the roster that's here was under Eiserman's regime, but guess what? Julian was right there with him and in, in, uh, in advising him and, and helping him along every step of that way. So they're a tandem. They're a tandem tied at the hip, and Julian is the one. I don't know if Steve Eiserman makes the trade for Barclay Goodrow. I don't know if he makes the trade for Blake Coleman because Julian, after, after seeing what happened in 19, knew he had to be bold and take a risk. Sometimes risks don't pay off and general managers pay for it with their jobs. It paid off for him. I'm not sure as bold as Steve was in a lot of what he does. And he was very uh, sure of himself in every move that he made. I don't know that Steve makes both of those deals, let alone one of them. I totally agree with that. And JBB. And that's why you, you kind of mentioned like, Hey, there's, there's probably a better chance than not that we're making a move here at the deadline. Cause yep. You're a general manager. Like, what, what do you got to lose? Your, so, your job, which you're eventually going to lose anyway. I think JBB's biggest thing in this offseason is obviously, I think, going to be this. Um, what's, what's your opinion? Of course, he's, you know, God to me. So my, my I think they have the chance of making the first player – from the beginning of his career to the end of his career, be on this team for his whole career. And I think they'd be dumb to give that up. But then again, you don't want to hurt the team. I think still has some life in him. And also, whose decision do you really think this is with Stamkos? 
Is this team's ownership or is this the GM? It's the GM. It's the GM because look at all kinds of surprises when he, when Steven came out at the start of training camp and was disappointed in the fact that there, not only was there no uh, deal in place, I thought for sure July 1st would be, okay, we're going to get a Stamkos extension on July 1st. It's what he's done with some other players. And it didn't happen. There's been, there was no talk between the team and Stammer's agents. So this is going to be a management decision if it comes down to it. Because I can tell you emphatically, he does not want to leave. He wants to spend his entire career with this organization. And he deserves, in my opinion, he deserves that right. Me too. And, yeah. and, you know, and, and, you know, Stephanie's question there, I can tell you it's trending that he won't be back. It doesn't mean he won't be back, but it's sort of trending in that direction. Um, you know, but may, things can always change. All it takes is one conversation to be had. Uh, he's very open to it for sure. Obviously, it's going to have to wait till after the season. Julian has very has stood by that uh, that part of um, the, the discussions on it. Um, but I, I, I just it's hard for me, and I'm I'm close to it. Obviously, it's hard for me to imagine Steven Stamkos wearing some other team's jersey at any point in his career. Um, he's still a productive player. He's 25 goals. He's going to finish, maybe finish with 30, depending on where things go. Um, he's not the same five on five player he was. I think that's been pretty evident this year. Um, but look, you can't tell me that in the back of his head, he's not thinking about this. It's, it's human nature. If you're a little unsure where you've spent your, you know, the first 15 years of your career, you're not sure if you're going to come back. You can't tell me it doesn't have some sort of effect on a player. So, um, I hope he's back. I think he'll be back, but it's trending in the wrong direction. Shooter and I went to the live taping of the block party with him. And I don't know if you've actually seen that episode with him on there. He definitely spoke like a true captain and like he did not want to leave. He wants to be here in Tampa. And he had the perfect opportunity the last time his contract was up. Toronto went all balls in for him. (laughs) You know, they even had the tire company come out and offer him that big endorsement deal. Uh, which was believed to be the same amount that they were going to offer him salary up there. So, um, yeah, I feel that they, he's been the face of this franchise for so long. I don't think this is a Vinny situation. I don't think it's a Marty situation. This is the first player they can actually have where he started his career with the team and retires his his career with the team. And I, I think, you know, they got to get a deal done. I don't disagree with you. Um it's all, it's like anything else. It's all going to come down to the money. Obviously he's not going to make 8.5 million on his next contract. How much is he going to make? You know, will he take 5 million? Will he take 4 million? That's, that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, and you know, if I were in management shoes, I would test that loyalty and see where he would go. And, and that would make me nervous as a fan. That would make me really nervous as a fan. If that's the route, and I'm not saying that's what it is, but if that's the route that management is going to take, it's, it can be a, a tough game because, it's hard. It's just hard to think he won't finish his career here. He's been such a great ambassador for the game of hockey, especially in this market, uh, still considered a little brother market. You know, he talked to chief all the time and, and how much uh, this market down here kind of gets disrespected. I mean, look, there's a good chance Nikita Kucherov might not win the heart trophy this year, even though he absolutely deserves to be the front runner for this award, but there's a bias against this market a little bit and uh, everything else. So, um, it's, uh, I hope we're having this conversation with you guys next year, talking about Stamkos being back. 
Oh, we'll be talking about Hedman next year. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the interesting one. <laughs> yeah, it never ends. And the way I look at it is like, you know, you, you've got Palat two years ago. You got Killer last season. And there were more before that. And it seems like Stamkos is next on the list. It, you have, and, to, uh, hope, you like have to hope the cap's going up, though. Right? All this because I believe in conversations that I had with some players last year that the escrow part, of the COVID situation was paid off, I think in late October, early November. So that's going to affect the cap. And I believe whatever the cap number is supposed to go up in this year, it, it's, it's, it's a cap level. It's, there's a certain percentage that the cap can only go up. I think it hit that level. So I think the cap is going to go up again because all of this television deals, I mean, you've got two major uh, uh, TV partners in the U S now with ESPN slash ABC and TNT. I mean, that's huge. And then, of course, we know the ridiculous amounts of money that Sportsnet pays them to broadcast the games in Canada. Canadian money, for sure. But um, I think the cap is going to go up, and I think that's going to help the Lightning situation. Big All right, one last question. Nikita Kucherov. By the way, this is a segment of the show that I've been doing most of the season here. Where <laughs> I hold up my Nikita Kucherov uh, picture here. <laughs> And I worship him a little bit for being the best player uh, statistically in the NHL, in my opinion, uh, overall in the world. Um, no, no offense to McDavid. Great player. Very good. Very good. I'm a little biased, though. Nikita Kucherov, 103 points. Uh, I don't know if McKinnon's playing right now, but he might be. He's five ahead of McKinnon. Um, if he's leading in the scoring race, and you kind of answered this already, He's got to win the Hart Trophy, right? He's carried this team on his back. Most valuable player is what the Hart Trophy stands for, right? The stat that should be the selling point is the Lightning. I Last time I checked, they're the seventh highest scoring team in the league. So they score some goals. Nikita Kucherov has 40 more points than the next player on his team, and that's Braden Point. He has 40 more points than Braden Point on the seventh highest scoring team. If that doesn't solidify what most valuable players to his team means, I mean, that's what Taylor Hall got the MVP award for in, in uh, 18, right? Because he had, I think, 41 more points than anybody else on his team. And they were a team that wasn't necessarily expected to get to the playoffs. And sometimes that skews voters' thoughts process. Um, but, but I do worry, too, about, you know, the All-Star game and some of his aloof post-game uh, press conferences uh, that he has that if that affects voters and and it's a shame if it does but it can affect the way somebody votes and you know it is the writers association that does vote for this award and then you look at austin matthews is is the canadian media going to be biased toward austin matthews because he might hit 70 goals this year are they going to be biased towards uh Connor mcdavid because he's putting on a hell of a show once again uh in this late run that edmonton has put on i, I think he's got 19 assists and no goals in his past like 10 games or something so he's kind of creeping up here in the race a little bit. Is Nathan McKinnon, because Nathan McKinnon is who Nathan McKinnon is, does he gain some of that uh, voter bias because of who he is? Uh, I hope it doesn't come down to that uh, because I think he absolutely deserves to be the MVP this year just based on the fact that he's going to finish with 140 points probably, um, and he's going to have – nobody else on his team is going to be at 100. Yeah, um, and, and I don't think Cooch, like, you know, deep down, he he really cares. Like, he had the Absolutely. comments after the Stanley Cup win about um, Vassie not, not winning the Vesna. So, you know, he cares a little bit about those. But he, he wants Stanley Cups. But, all right, so let's put it in lightning terms then. The lightning record for franchise uh, points in a season 
I believe is 128. He's already at 103. Yep. He's going to buy that, right? Oh, yeah. That's why I say he's going to probably finish with close to 140. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially if the power play can get hot again, right? It's been a little bit of a slump here the last four or five games. If that thing can get going again, he's, he's going to start piling up three and four point games on somewhat of a regular basis, uh, comparatively speaking, because, again, he has more three point games this year than he has no point games. And, uh, again, that's a, that's a staggering number to think that a player has put up more three or more points in a game more times this season than he's been held off the score sheet. That's an, another incredible stat. It's crazy. And, and the plus minus is, is silly with our starters because they're always out there for like, we pulled the goalie with nine minutes left last night. Yep. Yep. Like, and those, those are the guys that are out there when they're scoring goals. So I would hope that they're not looking too deeply into that no. plus minus. Our plus minus no, I don't. Good. Yeah. I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in that stat because just to give you an example, last night's game. So Mitchell Chafee makes a play. He clears the puck out of the zone, right? Mikey Asamont, for whatever reason, ignored the puck and went after the player, lost the puck. Asamont and Chafee both go off the ice. Two players jump on right before the goal scored. Who gets the minus? It's not the guys who might've created that situation. It's two guys that just happen to jump on because they were, uh, you know, next up for the line change. So, and the empty net goals is a big part of it. Uh, is it is it ugly to look at when when Stammer's what minus 22, 23, whatever he is this year? He's he's among the worst plus minuses in the league. But again, I don't put a lot of stock in that. That is not always a true measure of how good a player is defensively. Uh, Luke Lindenning is a fantastic defensive center. He just doesn't score a lot. And his line doesn't score a lot. So his plus minus has probably been skewed a little bit as well because he's only playing, you know, 11, 13 minutes per night. So uh, the plus minus, um, it's, it's, it's an indicator. And when there's, a, when there's like one, somebody who's way different than everybody else, maybe that's an indicator. But when everybody is kind of around the same plus minus on a team, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. So hot seat question. 11 games left. Do they make the playoffs? There's more than 11 games. Oh, sorry. 21, right? Yes. They've been living at home, Yes, they do. I think they do. Um, obviously, the position that they're in helps that decision a little bit. The schedule is a little bit softer in the second half, which is not always necessarily a good thing. I mean, Buffalo's coming in here tomorrow night, and they've been kind of playing well. They gave Florida a fight last night down in Sunrise. Uh, so they kind of found their game a little bit. Rasmus Dahlin is a 30-minute-a-night defenseman now. And, you know, they're, they're kind of looking like they should have at the beginning of the season. Um, so they're coming in. Um, you know, they have that big West Coast trip. Uh, it starts actually with a game against the Panthers, and then they go out to Vegas, San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim. But that West Coast trip, is not what it used to be. Obviously, Vegas is Vegas. They're going through some injury issues right now. They're kind of sputtering along a little bit. But San Jose is one of the worst teams in the league. Anaheim is one of the worst teams in the league. And L.A., for whatever reason, is having problems at home. They're having problems on a home ice. So that West Coast trip, which used to be a gauntlet to have to go through, especially in California, is not the same as it used to be. So they can come back from that trip with maybe eight out of ten points, if not six. Yeah, Chief was coming in last night that that those are three point three um, points. They should be because they're not against any Eastern Conference teams, so you need to go and get those yep. and start. And he was saying, don't even look for the top three guaranteed spots. You're just gotta oh, yeah. get that. It's gonna be a wild card spot if they get it. And yeah. just hold on to the spot. That's all it has to take. And yeah. look, maybe, maybe you cross over. Maybe you face the Rangers in the first round. And I know the Rangers have had a good year, but 
I mean, Shesterkin has not been the Shesterkin of old, right? So are they a vulnerable team? Fans wanting Quick over there instead. (laughs) Yeah, and and look, if if Boston ends up winning a division and you face the Bruins, I wouldn't be scared to face the Bruins. They are not the same team. And look, Florida knocked them out in round one last year when they set all kinds of records that the Lightning had previously set when they got swept. So, um, look, all it takes in this league is to get in, and you have a chance. And they've got the pedigree. They have the goalie when he's on that can do it. Uh, give yourself a chance by just getting into the playoffs and you never know what could happen. I remember there was a year, I think it was the year the, the Kings won the cup in, was it 2012, that in the Western Conference, the five, six, seven, and eight seed all won the first round. Yeah, funny things happen when we get to the playoffs and there's still not a more experienced playoff teams when it comes to the core uh, than the Lightning. So it just drives me nuts the folks i see especially just you know after any loss these days that you know trade everyone this team's on the rebuild it's not it, it it's coming it's not yet look who's on our roster still like you can't count these guys out Vassy's not going to play as bad as he has the last four or five games. It's just not going to happen. But this team will never actually be a rebound because we have nobody in the farm system. You're going to constantly be getting some veterans being brought in. With any anytime we get rid of some of these older players, you're going to get newer older players. That's where the Brandon Hagels come in. That's where the Nick Pauls come in. I, and I know Paul's a little bit older, but I mean Hagel was what 23 when they acquired him. He's still young, so he's he's kind of that second core type of a player. So if you can make moves like that, and I know they gave up a lot to get him, you know, two first round draft picks and then uh, Radish and Kachuk. Um, but you no know I mean, is the big one right now that everybody's criticizing that trade. Oh, and- yeah, well, I, I look, like I said, GMs make decisions. Sometimes they pay off. Sometimes they don't. But when you hear David Poyle come out last year and say no team, no player in his tenure garnered as much interest as Tanner Janot did last year, that tells you something about the player. He hasn't lived up to it. Unfortunately for him, everybody wants to compare what the Lightning gave up to bring him in. That's not his fault. Don't blame Tanner Janot for that. Uh, obviously, he had some struggles trying to find his game last year. Just as he was starting to figure out, uh, he got the injury, came back too early, wasn't ready to play in the playoffs. I was shocked with that ankle sprain that he had, that he was even playing in the postseason. Um, and he just hasn't kind of found his regular rhythm this year. Doesn't mean he won't find it. It's you can't give up on Tanner Janot yet because he has some pedigree to him and he's a very Tanner Janot makes the Lightning a better team just with his presence alone. Yeah. Because nobody's going to make a run at Nikita Kucherov if they know Tan- Tanner Janot is a strong dude. They will he get is hurt. strong. You can see it when he's on the ice and there's a scrum, guys skate away. They want no part of Tanner Janot. Yeah. He's, he's like that new guy player. in New York. Yeah, that's gotten him, yeah, it's gotten him for like three fights in his first five games. And, and, and a game-winning goal. <laughs> yeah, and sporting a big black guy right now. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna have to slow down. You can't, you can't take that many fights. And I know he's looking to make a make a name for himself. And look, kid, you've already done it. You don't need to get your face beaten every night just because of it. No. Yeah, and he he got ejected out of the game the other night for that one hit. That, that was a bad hit. That's yeah. a bad hit. I'm I'm kind of surprised he didn't get suspended. And I know I he's a, he's a big thing. guy. He's a big guy. I get it. But principal contact was on the head with the shoulder. Yeah. It's I understand he's six foot eight. He's a monster dude. And you know, you go up against somebody who's five nine. Where's the contact going to come from? I get that. But it's still you still have to be um, responsible for your actions. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, 
He is the Lightning Insider. We will let him go. He leads a very busy life. You don't even want to know what goes beyond the the Silver Spoon collection. But make sure you go and and check out lightninginsider.com if you have not already. If you do not subscribe, this is the best. And we have other people from the media on this show. This is the best resource for Lightning Hockey that you can have. Follow him on Twitter. Go to the website, subscribe. This is the best journalistic view that you can get. Remember, he's the lightning insider. We're the lightning outsider. <laughs> so go get inside with the lightning and, and follow Eric and make sure that you subscribe to his website because it really is like the first class of Tampa Bay lightning hockey journalism. So are we thank we, are, you for coming on. Uh, are we show. staying on or are we signing in off too? We can stay on. Well, I was thinking we're signing off. I wanted to talk to Eric backstage about something. Well, then let's sign off. Let's call it a night. Let's, let's do I always that. like the backstage talk with Eric. That's always the best. Eric, any um any final comments for the the fans left over here on a, on a Wednesday night? I love the passion. I love the passion. I know sometimes it gets emotional and you think your team should win every night. I get it. I understand it. Um but just sometimes, sometimes it's just okay to have just a level head. And, and I hope, and I, I, you know, Stephanie even said it I, as conversations I've had her with her through the years is to not have a knee jerk reaction, not to overreact because of one or two things you have to, you have to establish a baseline. And then what's the baseline after that? That's when you start to figure out who players are and what they're capable of doing. So uh, that's my only thing you can rant in my, my Twitter page all you want. I don't care. I might mute you. You might know that I mute you, but I might mute you. Other than that, I love the interaction. I love being able to talk, um, you know, stuff with 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 fans on Twitter, especially because that's where I'm most active on there. Uh, so feel free to always reach out. Uh, send me a DM. My DMs are always open as well. So um, just thanks for the time. Thanks for the support. And I'm going to do this right now before we sign off. Most of the people over there in the chat are already subscribers. I know that. But if anybody is not a subscriber, I'm going to give you a code. It's not in yet. I'll make sure I get it in before uh, I head to bed tonight. Just use Thunder. Just use Thunder, and we'll use uh, $10 off the first year of a yearly subscription. There you go. Get it. The the best journalism for Tampa Bay Lightning Hockey. Hey, make sure you follow us, too, at We the Thunder Pod. By the way, when we start losing and things get negative, I just stopped tweeting. <laughs> I just get like, <laughs> off Twitter because it's not worth it. That's not I, a bad idea either. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth the negativity. Listen, but, when I was working at my last job and I had to be in bed by seven o'clock at the start of the games, I would wake up to find out what Eric's <laughs> 4 a.m. post was. And it would be either after the <laughs> loss last night or the Bolts ticket, the thriller. And I was like, okay, we won, we lost. <laughs> I was like, thank God for Eric's early morning tweets. Yes, that's yeah. usually that's usually how late I'm up writing. <laughs> <laughs> usually when my first one goes out, I just finish writing. There you go. All right, check him out. Thanks for coming on again. We'll get you on here. I'm thinking right before we make the playoffs, we'll, we'll get you on. I'm it's happening, folks. But this has been We the Thunder. Don't forget to be the Thunder. That's it? <laughs> 